Well, I won't back down. No, I won't back down. You can stand me up at the gates of hell, but I won't back down. Gonna stand my ground. Won't be turned around. And I'll keep this world from dragging me down. And welcome into the Most Accurate Podcast. This is episode number 21. And as we do on Fridays here in the Most Accurate Podcast, we'll go through some of the injury news and also get to some of John's sneaky starts. Speaking of John, he joins me right now, 444.com senior editor. How are we doing, JP? I'm doing better. I, I uh, processing everything from earlier in the week, and uh, I'm doing a little bit better uh, now than I was early in the week. I think uh, we're on our way out of the out of the forest. Well, so you went right back to the well, though, and you've. I hear you got a little Tom Petty for us. Yeah, yeah. Yesterday, I've been listening a lot of Petty, obviously, this week, and uh, yesterday I started listening to some covers, and I ran across this uh, this cover from Johnny Cash. Uh, he did a cover of uh, "I Won't Back Down" for uh, the American recordings that he did with Rick Rubin in the early 2000s and i think there was five discs in that plus there's a an unearthed box set that's all available on spotify if you want to check it out he does a lot of covers and he does a lot of uh some new some new tracks but uh this this cover is uh, particularly interesting because petty does uh actually uh, comes in on the background vocals for it so uh, my dad's favorite uh uh musical artist was uh was johnny cash and i got into him later in life and um it's pretty cool that uh, he, he did a my my dad's favorite artist and my favorite artist or one of my favorite artists did a did a song together. So uh, it's it's that a good is one. cool. Uh, I got one mini rant on Johnny Cash though. Johnny Cash, okay. his song "Hurt." That's not his song. I get in arguments with people all the time about this. That's Trent Reznor of Nine Inch Nails. That's his song "Hurt." So yeah. that was a cover. I people think that Johnny Cash he. He was the one that first came up with that. It was actually Trent Reznor. So mini rant over with. Um, that was a that was actually the same set of recordings. So he was doing covers, and that was one of the covers right. he did. That was a really fantastic cover. When you, when you listen to that and you compare it, yeah, he really made it his own. But it was it's definitely a great song by Trent it, Reznor. It was well. excellent. I just I, I get I get a little unnerved by it because I'm a big Trent Reznor fan. So, anyways, moving on. Let's talk about the Thursday night football game. It wasn't a great fantasy fantasy night. The the over under total in Vegas was fifty four and a half. It wound up being nineteen to fourteen Patriots, a nineteen fourteen Patriot victory. So the under hit by nearly twenty two points. The Patriots. We'll start with them. We we know what Tom Brady's going to do. He he threw for over three hundred yards, had a touchdown and a pick. But I, I wanted to really focus on the fact that Tom Brady or um, Rob Gronkowski was out in this one. John, you made an interesting comment to me off off air off podcast how a lot of those targets were pushed to not only Chris Hogan, but to Danny Amendola. So walk through some of the Patriots' passing numbers. You got Amendola, 8 for 8, 77 yards, and Hogan, 8 for 11, 74 yards and a touchdown. Yeah, so when the news broke that uh, Gronk wasn't going to play, I obviously had to take him out of my lineup uh, in my game against you in our league, and you have Chris Hogan, and uh, I saw today that you had Chris Hogan, and you benefited on two folds there because when Gronk is out, then all of a sudden there's uh, another 8 to 12 targets available for the other pass catchers. So that's how it sort of works on my end is I have to take uh, Gronk out. I know uh, Dwayne Allen isn't going to replace all of Gronk, 
And in this case, he didn't uh, replace any of Gronk. Uh, but I have, you know, standard, uh, target shares and, and stuff for a tight end. And I put those in and, and Allen came in at, um, around tight end 16. I thought that he would certainly do more than what he did last night, where he wasn't, I don't even think he was targeted. He didn't show up at the box score. Uh, I was thinking four for 40, maybe in a, uh, maybe a, a third of a touchdown or something like that. And then as I got closer to kickoff, I kept bumping him up because I was thinking to myself, he's got Tom Brady. It's a 55 point game. Um, you know, what is this, you know, what does, uh, Tyler Croft have? What is this, you know, the guys going for 13, 14, 12 in my rankings. And I, I should have stuck with my original ranking or even had him even lower because he just wasn't involved at all. And then you go back and you look at, uh, uh, Dwayne Allen's season. He hasn't, doesn't have a catch yet. Uh, so to expect him to come in and really light it up uh, was too optimistic. Um, but it's hard not to jump on that a little bit because we know that Tom Brady loves to throw to his tight end. Uh, we know that they're going to score, or we think they're going to score multiple four or five touchdowns, and uh, they they didn't. So uh, it, it sort of uh, it was it submarine the the Dwayne Allen folks that uh, pivoted to him and and plugged him in. Uh, but on the flip side, when I when I take out Dwayne Allen, I uh, also need to boost. I, I, I downgrade Tom Brady a little bit because he doesn't play as well without Gronk. And then um, I, I boost the other receivers a little bit. So Brandon Cooks got a little bump from nine to eight. Uh, Chris Hogan got a bump from 13 to 10 in standard standard rankings. Uh, James White, I think, got bumped up to one spot. Uh, and Daniel Amendola got bumped up a few spots uh, as well as the third receiver there getting a lot of that over-the-middle stuff. So that's sort of how it works uh, on my end, and it, you know, there's there's some misses with the with the Dwayne Allen, but there's also uh, some hits there because Hogan did have a nice game, and I did toy with uh, with actually ranking Hogan ahead of Cooks. I wasn't ready to do it, but I, I think I may next week because he's been out producing him uh, just about every week. Let's talk about Mike Gillisley too. He only had 52 yards on 12 carries. Is this a touchdown dependent running back right now? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we, I, we have him in my, uh, I, I co-own a big money league in the FFPC and we have him and every week it's a, we have him and James White and every week it's a debate like who to start. We also had Frank Gore, uh, going this week. So we ended up benching Gillisley and starting Gore. And the reasoning was that, you know, Gillisley does have a chance to score a touchdown every week or multiple touchdowns every week. But I, I went and looked at, uh, New England's, uh, game splits from 2015 on, and I noticed that they uh, average at 1.2 rush, uh, 1.26 rush TDs at home, which is represents uh, 37% of their touchdowns at home, and they only uh, score 0.82 touchdown rush touchdowns on the road, which represents 27% of their road touchdowns. So that's a pretty significant drop of a you know 0.4 touchdowns there. So that was sort of the deciding factor was that it's it's less likely that Gillisley is going to get that rush TD uh, on the road, even though this was a 55 point uh, over under uh, and it, it did set up for some touchdowns. Uh, the other thing with Gore is that I, I kind of feel like if the, if the if the Colts do have a couple of uh, goal line carries this week, they're going to give him a chance to score them because he's playing against his old team and. You know how I, I like the old team theorem uh, in that scenario. It doesn't always pan out, but uh, uh, Marlon Mack being back is a little bit worrisome there, but I do like Gore a little bit in that scenario. Let's switch gears. We'll talk about Tampa Bay. Jameis Winston didn't have a great game from a real-life standpoint, but fantasy-wise, he did throw for 334 yards and a touchdown. 
the the big thing here is he missed a, a lot of wide receivers, including Deshaun Jackson, although Jackson finished with five catches for 106 yards. Cameron Brake caught the one touchdown for Tampa Bay. Mike Evans had a quiet night, just five catches on eight targets for 49 yards. And then, of course, you have the, the debut of Doug Martin. I thought he rushed very, very well. Uh, 13 carries, he turned those into 74 yards and a touchdown, and he also had three catches. I'm sorry, one catch on three attempts, for three targets for um, eight yards only in the receiving game. So talk about Doug Martin's debut and anything else that stood out from Tampa Bay. Yeah, you went on a mini rant about Johnny Cash uh, earlier, so I'm going to go on a mini rant about Twitter and, and fantasy kickers <laughs> because I had at least two that I can remember, two people yelling at me about Nick Folk's ranking. I had him at, I think, five this week, and he had three opportunities, two long ones, uh, one short one, missed all three. Um, I saw the start of the game. I saw the end of the game. I didn't see his missed field goal. So uh, obviously a, a terrible outing for him. It sounds like he's going to lose his job. Um, but, you know, it's process over results uh, in this situation because you're talking about a 81% career field goal kicker uh, playing uh, at home uh, in a in a game that's supposed to be 55, you know, a total of 55, over under 55. And that generally re- results in a lot of kicker points. And he did, it's not like he didn't have the opportunities. He just makes two out of three and he has a pretty good day, uh, especially if he hits one of those long ones. So um, if you are a fantasy player and your your first instinct is to call out your fans chosen fantasy analyst for the season call him out on twitter uh for his kicker ranking i suggest that you maybe find a different <laughs> hobby uh and a way to spend your time because kickers are tough anyway i mean everybody's got bad bad beat kicker stories i started folk in two leagues i started him against you anthony right. uh, i think he scored negative one point uh in that in that matchup so that's the way it goes uh, if you're going to stream kickers especially uh, you go with the good matchups, you go with the high scoring games, and generally it works out. And every once in a while it doesn't. This is one of those, it doesn't work out. So moving on to Doug Martin, I think I, I tweeted out last night that I think, uh, his owners, uh, have a low end RB1, high end RB2 on their hands. It looks like, you know, I was worried about, I had him ranked, I think 17, which is a few spots higher than the uh, consensus rankings. Um, I felt optimistic about it because I thought, you know, Jaquiz Rogers, was okay uh, in his place, but didn't uh, wow anybody. And uh, Quiz got the start, got the first drive, didn't do much. He had ended up with three carries for two yards. And then Doug Martin, uh, uh, his first run, I think, was a pretty sizable seven-yard gain, and then he never really looked back um, with the 13 carries. So he ended up with the uh, 14 touches uh, in that backfield, and that was a bigger workload than I was expecting. Uh, he, got the, he got the touchdown as well. I think you're some owners are going to be a little annoyed with him as the season goes on, especially if they get into games where they're trailing a lot because it doesn't look like he's going to be on the field in the hurry up unless he really starts to outplay Charles Sims and, and make some, uh, make some hay in the uh, passing game because Sims is uh, the better receiver and, and seems to be out there uh, on third down and hurry up situation. So that's what's going on there. Um, and then Winston, you know, I don't know what you thought of it, but that pass Ooh. at the end, as I sit behind my computer as a as a Friday morning quarterback, uh, I don't know why he's throwing to uh, his rookie tight end who's not even <laughs> looking at him. Uh, but I mean, I might have checked it up to Mike Evans, but I wasn't seeing what he was seeing, and I think Evans, you know, at least might have been looking at the ball. Um, but I guess he was worried about taking the sack. Uh, maybe saw the opening there and tried to gun it in. 
Uh, but that was that was a rough one after after a pretty good drive to get him in in position there. I think Tony Romo was right in that he just kind of rushed the situation. You know, you had three seconds. You, you spiked the, the the spike at the play before, and Winston Winston just kind of hurried the throw when he didn't have to. So uh, unfortunate for Tampa Bay fans last night because that was a frustrating one from start to finish when you factor in all the missed field goals. Uh, four for four as a price drop. They've discounted all of their subscriptions by about 17%. I should say we, because we are four for four. Uh, and listeners can get additional 10% off just by using the promo code Paulson10. So it's John's last name, Paulson, and the number 10, all together, all caps, 10, Paulson10. Just go to 444.com to sign up, or you can hit John's Twitter page. He can be found at 444 underscore John, and click the link in the pinned tweet at the top of the page to sign up. Either way, you're going to be getting the best fantasy football information that money can buy, so make sure you jump on it. Let's go through some injury updates right now. John, Sam Bradford was limited on Thursday. What do you think the chances are that he plays on Monday, and would you even consider him as a streaming opportunity right now? Uh, I probably wouldn't stream him in his first game back, uh, especially since it's a Monday night game and, you know, you don't have a lot of options if he ends up being inactive, if it's one of these game time decision type, type deals. But it is, uh, a good news for Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen and, and Kyle Rudolph if he can, if he can actually play. Uh, so that, 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 on that front, I, I would be, feel more confident in them, although I have them ranked fairly high. Already, since they've done pretty well with uh, with Case Keenum, I just think Bradford's a step step above, and and his rapport with those guys is uh, is is not matched there by Keenum. Mariota. Another quarterback was limited on Thursday. Just from a personal standpoint, I picked up Jacoby Brissett on my waiver wire in our league. John, I'm starting him against you. I'm a Mariota owner. I don't trust that he's going to be effective, even if he does play. What are your thoughts? Well, I think you specifically should start him <laughs> if he's inactive. I think I think it's really an unorthodox strategy. We'll see how it works out, Cotton. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Mariota might play. Uh, he's got the uh, hamstring injury, uh, and he'll be a little bit limited in terms of his running ability, I think. He'll be more of a pocket passer, and really hasn't been that great of a pocket passer this year. Uh you know, which is a little bit of a surprise. He's okay. He's been okay, but uh, he's been making most of his fantasy points by running the ball. And uh, the matchup's good, though, with Miami. I think uh, he could he could thrive as a pocket passer if he does play. I saw you tweeting about Latavius Murray and Jarek McKinnon yesterday. How do you think that this backfield shakes out for Minnesota when they travel to Chicago on Monday night? Well, this is one of those uh, situations where we have to, as analysts, we have to sell, uh, separate what we think should happen uh, from what will happen or what the indicators are. So let me explain what I'm trying to say. Uh, Latavius Murray came in after the Dalvin Cook injury. I think he got every single touch in the second half. Uh, McKinnon had some sort of ankle injury that knocked him out or he was dealing with it in the second half, but he didn't, he was back uh, returning kicks. Uh, he did have a target, I think in the fourth quarter, he had one carry uh, in the early third quarter and fumbled it. So I don't know if, you know, he was being uh, not benched, but you know, Murray was, was given the opportunity ahead of him due to that. Um, you know, McKinnon has been kind of the backup or the, the change of pace back for Dalvin Cook uh, this year, but just all indications based on what happened last week was that that they're they're going to turn to Latavius Murray as the the primary lead back, and so you, I, I'm expecting to see him on first and second down uh, with Mick McKinnon coming in uh, on third downs. Uh, there might be some Murray there on third downs too. I think he had two catches uh, in the half a play. As well, but you know, McKinnon 
just back to McKinnon, I think he's probably the better running back of the two. He's an athletic freak. Uh, he had a really good uh, couple of years in 2014, 2015, where he was highly efficient. I think he, over that span, averaged about four, you know 4.7, 4.8 yards per carry. Uh, and then last year, really struggled uh, in a bigger role behind a very, very bad offensive line. Uh, his yards per carry, I think, were like 3.6 or something like that. Matt Asiato was 3.4. I mean, it was just a rough, it was a rough season for that offensive line. So, uh, you know, he wasn't necessarily given a fair shake. And now, you know, in the offseason, they went out and signed Latavius Murray. They drafted Dalvin Cook. It just doesn't look like the team is sold on him either. Uh, they, they, they drafted two guys or they drafted a guy and signed a guy. Uh, because they were unhappy with the running back situation. Part of that was, you know, they let Adrian Peterson walk and they just need some depth. Um, so there is a path for McKinnon to come out uh, and win the job, but I think McMurray's going to have to fall on his face. Murray's dealing with uh, the ankle uh, surgery. Uh, he was late to get back into camp and get started for the season because of that. I think he still said that he's not 100% yet on the ankle. So, you know, Murray rightfully was the number one waiver pickup because it looks like he's going to be the guy that's going to get 12 to 15 touches, carries in this offense that's that's improved this year behind an improved offensive line. Um, but there's definitely a path for McKinnon to end up winning this job. And if he's available on the waiver wire uh, cheaply, uh, I think that's, he's a good pickup uh, for that reason as well. He's definitely, if you're looking at Murray for 40 versus McKinnon for five, I think I would rather have McKinnon for five. All right, John, let's move on to your Packers here with Ty Montgomery. He's dealing with a ribs injury. He was officially limited in Thursday's practice, although it sounds like he's more doubtful than limited. What should fantasy owners do about Montgomery? Well, the Packers are usually pretty conservative when it comes to injuries. They don't play guys, you know, play guys if they are pretty iffy. Uh, so we'll see. Um, Aaron Jones was the hot, one of the hot pickups this week because of the Montgomery injury and, uh, Jamal Williams injury, but Jamal Williams is back. Uh, his knee injury is per, uh, very mild, apparently, and he's going to play. So, you know, even if even if Montgomery sits, there's no guarantee that Aaron Jones gets starters touches or lead back touches, even though he played pretty well, scored a touchdown uh, for the Packers uh, against the Bears. Uh, it might be Jamal Williams because Jamal Williams has been playing ahead of Jones this entire season. I think they trust him more in pass protection. Uh, even though Jones looks a lot better as a runner. So we'll probably see a committee between those two. Uh, if, if Williams really isn't offering much in the running game, they'll probably get Jones in there and some situations where they feel like uh, Aaron Rodgers is well-protected or they'll, they'll move protection over uh, to compensate for, for maybe Jones running out on a pass route instead. Uh, if Montgomery plays, I, I would use him, maybe not dispatch him as you would if he was fully healthy, as maybe a low end RB one, uh, but he would be probably a mid to, to low end uh, RB two, uh, figuring that he's not going to see a, a full workload with those ribs. Wendell Smallwood is dealing with a knee injury. He's questionable for Week Five against the Cardinals. If you listen to a lot of the Eagles beat writers, they don't expect Smallwood to play on Sunday. So that's going to leave Legarrette Blunt in an RB either one or two role, depending on how you view it, John. Then you've got Corey Clement and Kenyon Barner in the backfield. Would you only play Legarrette Blunt? You just don't know what they, how they view Clement in terms of his pass catching because Smallwood was going to take over Darren Sproles' role. Uh, with him out, you're looking at Blunt, you know, probably getting a, a safe workload, but this is a tough 
rush defense for the for the Cardinals. I think they're yielding uh, 3.2 yards per uh, for, per carry. Uh, they've given up 88 yards uh, on you know per game on the ground uh, through four weeks. So this is not like shaping up to be a great uh, situation to use Blunt, who needs some holes and to run through. Uh, although he is running well, so I think in standard formats, especially, you could use him as a uh, possible touchdown score as well. But I think, you know, you probably see Clement in that Sproles role. Maybe he gets three or four catches, but you know, they signed Barner and uh, you know, you just don't know what his role is after a couple of weeks in, in the fold. Paul Perkins is, has been ruled out by the giants. What do you think of rookie Wayne Gallman this week? Yeah. Gallman looked pretty good last week. I had a nice debut. The the key that you need to remember with this is that Orleans Darqua, uh, I believe he was out last week and he's back um, so this Darkwa had been pushing Perkins for the, for the job, uh, in the previous two or three weeks. So, you know, we don't know exactly how they're going to divvy up these, these touches between, uh, Darkwa and, and Gallman. So I wouldn't expect Gallman to start him, you know, expecting him to get 15 to 20 touches, uh, as if Perkins were out and Darkwa were out with, with, uh, Shane Vereen as the third down back. So really looking at, uh, Darkwa Vereen. And Gallman in like a three-man committee, and so it's just as ugly as as it was. But you could use Gallman maybe as a flex, Darkwa as a flex, uh, and and uh, Vereen as a as a flex in a PPR formats. CJ Procise remained sidelined on Thursday with an ankle injury. Doesn't look like he's going to play. So what does this mean for JD McKissick, who really emerged on the scene last week by scoring a couple of touchdowns, one through the air and then one on the ground in that Sunday night victory against the Colts? Yeah, I also want to touch on uh, Eddie Lacy and Thomas Rawls. Everybody's asking me why do I have Lacy ahead of Rawls, uh, you know, rest of season and our in four for four's rest of season's rank rankings, and also this week uh, when uh, Pete Carroll came out and said, "Luckily, we have Rawls to come in there." You know, he, I think he was saying, you know, he was inactive uh, Rawls, and now they're able to to activate him as their third, second, or third running back. But they had they had Lacy active ahead of him, a healthy Rawls last week, so. That tells me that Lacey's ahead of Rawls, and, and Lacey didn't do anything last week to lose that job. He actually looked pretty good running the ball. So I think you'll see Lacey get the start. Um, you know, they're going to probably swap series there, uh, him and Rawls. And then whoever is, you know, breaks out a run is probably going to end up seeing more touches by the end of the game. Uh, I just feel like Lacey's going to get first crack at it. And this is a, a pretty good matchup against the, um, against the Rams. The Rams are giving up. 4.9 yards per carry, 152 yards uh, on the ground uh, through four weeks. So uh, with to get to your question about Procise and McKissick, I think Procise is, would be ahead of McKissick if he were healthy, but it doesn't look like he's going to be back. And so now you can deploy McKissick in PPR formats because he's, you know, he's bringing something to the table that neither Lacey or Rawls are very good at, and that's catching the ball. So um you know, if once I take Procise out of the projections, McKissick's going to shoot up those PPR rankings pretty high. Doug Baldwin and Michael Crabtree were both full go on Thursday. Any concerns for either Baldwin or Crabtree owners? No, I. The reason I wanted to mention this is that the full practices give me, as a, as a guy who does projections, gives me more confidence that they're going to be closer to their usual selves. Uh, I feel better about Baldwin because he's you know he played last week and. He's got the better quarterback, whereas Crabtree's dealing with EJ Manuel. EJ Manuel didn't look terrible against uh, Denver, but it's obviously not Derek Carr. Um, so, you know, I have Crabtree uh, as like a wide receiver three and Baldwin as a low end wide receiver two, but I think he'll probably move, 
probably be moving him up into the teens uh, since it looks like he's going to be a full go. Thoughts on Devontae Adams? He was limited, but he may play. Yeah, uh, you know, another guy, he's still in the concussion protocol. Uh, I would say he's on the doubtful side of, of questionable, but, uh, you know, the, the concussion thing is if you get, get, can get out of protocol uh, and get cleared, then you play. So he might do that by Saturday and be able to play on Sunday. Uh, he took a really big hit um, in that Thursday game, but has had an extra few days to recover. If he's out, Geronimo Allison, I think, is a nice is a nice uh, pivot or a nice uh, spot start. Uh, he did he did well, six for 122 uh, with with Randall Cobb out uh, last year. With Cobb out, he was productive and he he takes he gets the biggest bump because he goes from playing five or ten percent of the snaps to playing 70, 80 percent of the snaps since since the Packers run so much three and four wide receiver uh, sets. He ends up being a, sort of a starter, and then uh, if they know Adams is going to be out, then they start to game plan for Allison. And then finally, John, what about the Arizona receiving pecking order? How do you feel like this shakes out? Yeah, John Brown's back. I think he played 60-something percent of the snaps. And it was it was J.J. Nelson that really took the hit in his playing time down to 29%. I don't know how much that has to do with his his hamstring injury uh, versus John Brown being back. Because Jaron Brown is, is the one continuing to play 95% of the snaps. So, you know, right now I'm looking at it as Larry Fitzgerald as your clear number one. And then John Brown and Jaron Brown uh, sort of – depending on matchup and depending on health as, as the two and three, and then Nelson coming in as the four. But if Nelson starts to get healthy, uh, I'm a little worried about him uh, starting to eat into some of these other snaps. So uh, this is really dicey. I, I wouldn't feel comfortable about Nelson given that playing time. And then, you know, now watch him go off against the, the Eagles. So just it's, it's the two, three, four. There is a tough, it's a tough pecking order to, 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 to try to, figure out. Uh, but when looking at snaps, Jaron Brown is way ahead uh, of both John Brown and and uh, J.J. Nelson. All right, before we get to John's sneaky starts for week five, let me tell you about the draft. It's not too late to download the highest rated fantasy football app. It is called Draft. You play in a live snake draft, but be done in under five minutes and they they last for just one week. So drafts start every couple of minutes. You can join one right now for week five. The best part is you can play for cold, hard cash, and your chances of winning are actually 80% better than on those salary cap sites. So all new players get free entry into a real money draft when you make your first deposit. All you have to do, listen up, use our promo code 4 for 4 That's right, you can play for real money, and you can play this week just by using our promo code 4 for 4 that's the number 4, F-O-R, and the number 4. It gets even better. Draft is so sure that you're going to love their offer and their site that the most accurate podcast listeners are going to get a money-back guarantee up to $100. So if you play it, for some reason you don't like it, you're going to get that money-back guarantee for up to $100. All you have to do is just search for Draft in your app store or go to Draft.com. And, and make sure that you're playing for free right now using our promo code 4 for 4 Sneaky starts, quarterbacks. I like that you listed this one, John. Jacoby Brissett with Mar- Marcus Mariota out. I'm using Brissett in one of my leagues. And with Derek Carr also out, guys are looking for – owners, I should say. Owners are looking for um, quarterbacks this week. So you like Jacoby Brissett and Brian Hoyer. How about that? Yeah, I don't like Jacoby Brissett anymore now that you're starting him. Let's see. I think you should start uh, Joe Flacco maybe. Or no, how about Mitch Trubisky? Why don't you start Mitch Trubisky against me? Uh, no, I think uh, Brissett, he's been pretty good. Uh, he can run the ball uh, if, if the passing game's not going great. Uh, the, the 49ers have 
Uh, not been great against the pass. They gave up 357 yards uh, to Person Palmer in a touchdown. They gave up 292 yards to Jared Goff and three touchdowns uh, in week three. And, uh, you know, Cam Newton had a couple touchdowns against him in week one. Uh, so that's, I just feel like this is a, a game where very cheaply you can get uh, some quarterback production with, out of Brissett and out of uh, Hoyer. And looking at the Colts defense, uh, they they yielded uh, 295 yards and two touchdowns to Russell Wilson, 242 yards and two touchdowns to Deshaun Kaiser. Carson Palmer had 332 yards and a touchdown, and Jared Goff had 306 and a touchdown against the the Colts. So um, Hoyer has not been very good this year, but this is definitely a spot where uh, I would feel pretty good about him, you know, using him if I was in uh, in trouble at quarterback. I also have Dalvin Cook in one of my leagues. I love that you list Alex Collins, the running back for Baltimore, as one of your sneaky starts because I picked him up this week on the waiver wire. Yeah, his uh, his yards per carry have been great. Uh, he's had, I think, exactly nine carries for 82 yards in each of the last two weeks, which is kind of crazy that um, he has exactly the same rushing line in both games, and it's that that wild of a, of a yards per carry. Uh, he's been basically taking over the Terrence West role. And, you know, you might still see West in there on in goal line situations. Not sure. Uh, but in terms of just the person that's most likely to lead them in, in carries and in yards, rushing yards, I think it's Collins. And he's actually decent in the passing game, too. They tried to target him a couple times in the last game. So he's, he's got some uh, ability there as well. So, you know, in a nice matchup against Oakland, I, I would feel relatively confident about using him, especially in, in uh, standard formats. How about Geronimo Allison? We talked about Devontae Adams earlier this earlier this podcast. Um, he's got kind of an interesting matchup against Dallas when your Packers head down there to play the Cowboys on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, I mentioned him. Uh, we talked about him earlier, so I won't go too in-depth, but I just want to uh, mention that he, with in the three games that Cobb missed last year, he averaged 3.3 receptions for 59 yards and .67 touchdowns. Uh, and that's in, in addition to the uh, 6 for 122 that he had. Uh, against the Bengals in week three to set up the uh, game-winning uh, field goal in overtime. So uh, I think he's a, he's a quality start if Devontae Adams is out. Aldrick Robinson as well. You liked Brian Hoyer earlier the, earlier in the pot, well, a couple minutes ago. Uh, so, so obviously you're, you're kind of high in San Francisco. Aldrick Robinson, a sneaky start. Well, it's a nice matchup against the Colts, but Marquise Goodwin uh, has a concussion. So keep an eye on him. I think he was limited yesterday. And if he can't get cleared, uh, you know, Robinson came in and uh, played – I'm uh, pulling up his snap percentage right now, but I think he had 12 targets. Yeah, he had 12 targets, played 87% of the snaps. So he only caught three for 52 against Arizona, but this is Indianapolis. Um, you know, if he's playing 80, 90% of the snaps uh, and he's got that deep speed, he could, he could catch a long one and, and, uh, and post a nice fantasy line against, uh, against Indianapolis. And then your two tight ends will round up with these guys. You got Austin Safarian Jenkins, and then you also got Tyler Croft. Uh, talk to us about the, these two tight ends. Yeah, the Browns are 32nd last in the league in adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight ends. Uh, you know, we've been looking for a little, maybe a little bit more from uh, ASJ than we got, uh, although he had six targets in week three, he had four targets, called all four of them against Jacksonville in week four. You know, this is one uh, a spot where he could, uh, you know, get, get to that six for 60 and a touchdown type of a line. Um, he, he's looked pretty good and he's one of the primary uh, reads there for, for Josh McCown and then Tyler Croft, uh, you know, maybe we're chasing points here a little bit, but the, if you look at the the pass catchers for the Bengals right now, uh, John Ross is, 
uh, out. Uh, Brandon LaFell is, is beat up. Uh, he's not producing. Uh, Tyler Boyd has got like off the field issues or some sort of dr- drug charge or something pending against him, which broke this week. Uh, I think it was from a incident in the summer, but it's just not happening for this receiving core outside of AJ Green. So, you know, uh, Andy Dalton's used to looking at his tight end, Tyler Eifert, and um, he, he just picked another Tyler last week. He six target or sorry, seven targets, six catches for 68 yards and two touchdowns for Croft. You know, maybe we're chasing points, but the playing time's there. 98% against Green Bay in week three, 83% of the snaps against uh, Cleveland in week four. Uh, and Buffalo's not a great matchup, but they're not great against tight ends either. So this is a, a spot where you could see six or seven targets, maybe a touchdown. All right, John, appreciate all the hard work on the podcast today. Uh, you can go to John's Twitter page at 444 underscore John. Don't forget to check out the pinned tweet at the top of John's page if you want to take advantage of that price discount and also get a little bonus kick in as well. You can follow me on Twitter at Anthony Stalter if you're so inclined. Good luck this weekend in all of your fantasy leagues. We appreciate you listening, and we'll see you back on Monday here for the Most Accurate Podcast. In a world that keeps on pushing me around but i stand my ground and i won't back down hey baby there ain't no easy way out hey i will stand my ground and i won't back down. No, I won't back down.